Welcome back to Magic Seeds. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, Adam. You got it. I got it. Uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you got for us today? Uh, today we are talking about addiction, but alcoholism uh, specifically. And um, we just, we wanted to do this episode today just because it shows up everywhere. It shows up when we feel, when we feel too much or when we fear something and um, alcoholism is just one of so many different ways that we numb ourselves and you know, so we don't feel. So today we yeah. have a very special guest. We do. Um, it's obviously alcoholism specifically is uh, a, a massive issue in our culture and many cultures, but it really falls under the category of general addiction and whether it's something as obvious and outward as alcohol or it's something as in the cracks as sexual addiction or right. addiction to uh, getting validation, right? Just, I mean, it doesn't even matter. There's so many ways that addiction shows up that it can, you sabotage your life and your goals and your purpose. Um, but alcoholism is a, a really obvious one that's out there in the open and um, today we have with us a guest. Her name is Kathy, and her story is just inspirational because it, there's so many times that people are along this journey, and it's hard seeing the forest through the trees. And Kathy, um, well, I'll tell you her story. She's um, due to alcoholism, she was completely hopeless, and this is going back quarter of a century almost. Uh, and she tried to commit suicide. And was actually even mad when it didn't work. Uh, she ended up stumbling into the rooms of AA and unexpectedly found recovery. And now 24 years later, she lives in complete awe of how a sober life can be so doable and productive right. and help her feel connected in a way that um, was obviously missing. Um, and she's here to share that journey with us today. So without further ado, good morning, Kathy. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks can, for having me here. Can you share us your story, please? Sure. Uh, so I was, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, in Iowa, in the 60s. Uh -huh. And my parents got divorced when I was three. And no one else had divorced parents. I was also an only child. And no one else had only children. Uh -huh. So I immediately... You know, I just never felt a part of, right? And um, I would say I never felt comfortable in my own skin, if that's the way to describe it. However, my dad was an alcoholic, and my stepdad was what we call a heavy drinker. So he drank every day. So alcohol was always in my life everywhere. Um, my stepdad drank every day, but his personality never changed. My dad, who's an alcoholic drank a lot and his personality changed and it was terrifying and so I swore as a kid I would never drink wow because I never wanted to be like that and um but yet I still never felt comfortable anywhere right so uh. so when my cousins took me to a party <laughs> oh, <laughs> when I was 13 the cousin effect <laughs> yes um, and I had my first drink of alcohol um, you know, and it was a, a syrupy drink, like, uh, I think it was a slow gin fizz. I don't even know if they make those anymore. It's slow gin and like seven <laughs> up or something. And, um, anyway, it tasted good and it didn't have any <laughs> bad effects. So I drank that drink and I immediately felt okay. Oh man. For the first time. Like uh, there it is. Totally. Uh. Okay. And I have never had a social drink. So that very first night I had that drink, I blacked out, was sick everywhere. But the next day, my cousin took me home. The next day, everyone rallied around me, all the other cousins, like, you can't tell grandma. <laughs> so suddenly, <laughs> I'm in it. Like, oh. I'm in the fold. Because and you didn't feel part of before. No. Gotcha. But then I did. Like, and like I so all like, I got to do is drink a syrupy right, drink right, right, with 7-Up. Right. This is great. So, but I, of course, I didn't have access at that point. I was 13, you know, and I didn't... Um, drink again for a while but every time I could I did and every time I drank I either got sick or blacked out every gotcha. single time so you would think 
you wouldn't do it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Right. How many drinks would it take to get there? It just, it depended, you know, it could be at at first a lot, but then as time went on fewer and fewer. Um, And so as soon as I could, so in high school I drank, I lied to my parents all the time. Um, You know, it was set up perfectly because (laughs) I am an only child and I, I could, I really, because I never felt comfortable anywhere, like I was always watching what was happening and I could always twist myself into whatever they wanted. So my parents wanted good grades and they wanted responsibility. And so on the outside, that's what I gave them. But behind the scenes, the minute they left, I was having parties and, um, you know, I was doing all the other stuff. And you weren't in Iowa. So what else is there to do? There's nothing else to do. (laughs) Correct. So you basically Eddie Haskell'd your way. Yes, 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 yes. And so then I went, I picked my college based on the fact that it was the number one party school. (laughs) Um, Where did you go? University of Iowa. (laughs) And like, I had no idea, like nothing about the education mattered. Um, And so... (laughs) But I knew I had to get the grades. Uh-huh. And what I find so interesting about alcoholics is they're typically bright people. And we can do that. Right. Like, so I could drink and get good grades. And that's what I did. And um, and then I married my best drinking buddy. Oh. And, <laughs> and so. At the time, that makes sense, it though. Does right. It does make sense, <laughs> right? And we had a great time. I mean, you know, for a long time, it was great, right? right. It, it wasn't really creating any problems. Um you know, sickness, but not like right. life problems. Um, and I didn't think I had the problem. I thought he had the problem as time went on because he drank more than I did. Uh-huh. And, um, but anyway, long story short, um, you know, when I was about, I don't know what age, well, I was 36. Um, by this time I was drinking every day. I did though, I had a job and I was separated from my husband because of his drinking. Like uh-huh. it was his fault. <laughs> Everything was his fault. <laughs> and I thought if I got rid of him, the problem would go away. Well, it got worse. As soon as I got rid of him, it got worse. And so that's how I found myself um, on the streets of Atlanta in a business trip, um, drunk. And I connected with this woman, a homeless woman was on the street and I was walking down the street and I connected with her eyes Uh and a voice like loud voice came in my head. If you don't stop this, this is where you're going to be. Ouch. That's yeah. I mean, loud, loud, but you know, that didn't stop me. That just made me, (laughs) that made me sad. Like that's when I tried to kill myself. I'm Uh, like, Oh my God, I'm on this slow death. Like, and I didn't know how to get off. And so that night I was like, I picked up a bunch of over the counter sleeping pills, big bottle of vodka, and I just took it all. And I was hoping like this would end it because I was just like in so much pain. And the next morning I woke up. You're like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) And I was like, how can this be? Like, I was sick. I mean, I felt horrible. But anyway, I made my way back to Raleigh and that ex-husband, well, he wasn't an ex yet, um, my husband had been to AA and he was oh. in the house. So at some point during that blackout, I must have called him uh-huh. because he came to the house. And when I got back to Raleigh, there he was. And he said, hey, I've gone to AA. I know I have a problem and you might too if you want to come with me. I'm going to a meeting. Uh-huh. And something said, yes, okay, I'll go. Oh, wow. And, and I mean, it was so humiliating because he was the problem. Like, and here he is dragging me to AA. It was hysterical now. But um, anyway, I get there and there are a couple of women there. Everybody's laughing. Like I had this vision of alcoholics, first of all, for my dad, but also I really felt like they lived under the bridge. Um, I just had this whole negative view of Uh alcoholics, excuse me. And um, I got there, they're laughing, they're having fun. And I hadn't really laughed in a very long time. And when I saw that, I was like, what? Like, that like smashed my v- vision right. of what this was like. And then they were reading um, some of the AA literature, and it, w- it described my life perfectly. You know, an alcoholic's like a tornado running through the lives of others and breaking relationships and just everything. And it was like, oh, no, this might be me. Like, might. I still 
didn't think right. this is me. And so uh, the two women that were there came up to me after the meeting and they said, you don't ever have to drink again. And I'm like, well, of course not. This is a choice. I know I don't have to drink again. And they're like, no, like you really don't have to drink again. But what we suggest you do is you call us before you drink next time. And I'm like, okay. So I went home. Uh, the ex-husband, you know, he went his way. I'm back at work the next day. I go home and open my refrigerator and I'm going to get the wine like usual. But what they said is call us before you take a drink. So I thought, okay, I'll call them and see what happens because they're not going to answer. And it, as soon as they don't answer, then I'll, I'll drink. Right. They answered. <laughs> and, and they said, come meet us again tonight. And, and that's how it started. Wow. And, wow. And so I'm like, okay. And, and I just started going. Um, it's every night. There are meetings, yeah. There's meetings like all day long. All I mean, that would make sense. Yeah, right. Because you never right, know to catch you. Yeah, I mean, there's how many fall uh, in in this area. How many would you say active in a night? How many meetings are going? Oh, um, probably about forty, like in the whole metro area. Wow, really? meetings every single night and day. I mean, they're all day long. Like, you wouldn't have to go longer than a few hours without being wow. able to find a meeting. Yeah. Oh, and if there aren't meetings, we have a helpline you could call and somebody would either come right. meet you or talk to you. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Let alone you'll have a sponsor. Right. And so that was the next thing. Get a sponsor. You know, they suggested I get a sponsor and I did. And the whole way that I chose this woman was that she was breathing easy, like deep breaths. Uh-huh. They say like, find somebody that has something you want. And I just watched her in the meeting and she looked so calm and could breathe. And I realized like I wasn't breathing like that. And so I asked her and we were complete opposites. Like we never would have talked to each other in, in what, any other. In what way? She was a biker chick and <laughs> I was a corporate person. <laughs> and, That's funny. And she saved my life. Wow. She saved my life. So she's the one that told me about the disease of alcoholism and um, explained to me that it was a progressive illness, which made sense. Like she had me write out my drinking history uh-huh. and through that I could see the progression. Um, and so I just started doing, you know, they say like, if you want what we have, do what we do. And so she would make these little suggestions and I would try to follow them and after about 90 days, I felt great, right? Like the alcohol's out of my system. I felt great. And I had a business trip to California. So she says, go to a meeting as soon as you get there and call me. So I get to California and I'm feeling great. And I see the ocean and I'm like, I'm not doing that. And it starts, right? The, uh-huh. the thought. And, and our literature says, if you are not convinced you're an alcoholic, go try some controlled drinking. And so what does that mean? So that means make a plan. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to put this to the test because I'm a pretty smart person. I'm like, okay, I'm going to see, you know, do they mean what they say? So I told myself, all right, I'm going to go to dinner and I'm going to have one glass of wine. That would be a controlled drinking. Okay. And I couldn't do it. I ordered the glass of wine as I drank half of it. My head is like, well, you messed up now. So have some more. Oh, wow. You know, you already blew it. You might as well have some more. Why waste this? And you have the view of the ocean. Right. (laughs) You know, like, so then I had more and luckily nothing bad happened. But um, that convinced me that like, okay, I really do have the disease. Like once I take a drink, all bets are off. I have no idea what's going to happen next. Right. Right. I went in with a very specific intention that I could not uphold. Right. And so then I'm like, okay, I, then I was really depressed because I'm like, I really do have this yuck, you know, I'm going to have to do this now. And uh, so I came back to Raleigh and got back to the program. And um, shortly after that, and this is a critical piece, um, a guy that was in my home group, we suggest getting home groups so, so that you go to a certain group there where people get to know you. And um, he had about five years his name was Craig and you know, he talked to me and a nice guy and all of a sudden he goes out and drinks and dies. Oh, and wow. I knew he didn't plan that. 
And that's when it was like, oh, yeah, not only do they say it's a deadly disease, I just saw it kill somebody. Right. Didn't plan it. And so right. that's when I was like, this thing is going to kill me. I got to take this seriously. Right. You've had a couple of warnings at that point with the homeless woman. and Right. Craig. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Can I ask you, did your personality change when you drank? Because you had mentioned yes, that your dad's did. Yes. 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 Your stepdad's didn't. Mm-hmm. I would get. Um, either really, really sad and like weepy or angry or like, you know, I would tell off cab drivers in New York City. You know, I would never do that. <laughs> like That's I just need funny. a couple of drinks just to, just to rage right. a little bit. Yeah, the rage would come out. I, and I, did, I would have never said that I was an angry person. Not at all. But That's through nuts. the process of working the steps in AA, I had a lot of anger. Yeah. Anger is a normal emotion when we're frustrated and it grows. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. anger. People like give it like a, you know, it's like an ugly stepchild, but it's a natural emotion that you have to get out properly, preferably not on New York cab drivers. So how, how do you get it out now? Do you have, do you have a vice now? You know, so your vice before was maybe it was just to get that out. You know, you have steam build up and you need to let it out. Maybe you didn't know that on a conscious level, but do you have a vice now to get that anger out or how do you? Or get even it? just any emotion, just right. sadness, because right. we deal with a lot of right. stuff. I just sit with it now. Like, yeah. And I, and I talk to people. So like I talk to Adam or I talk to my sponsor or, right. um, but like the sadness, when I have sadness now, I just sit with it and let it out. However slowly or fast it wants to come. Oh, that's, um, okay. So that's an enormous jump from, from take us through that. If you don't mind from using alcohol to letting that seep out all the way to sitting with it. Now sitting with it is like an enlightened yogi, you know, and, and really, I mean, because it's really, really hard to just sit with your emotions and it's taken people years and years and years to either figure that out to lean into allowing it to come through and out of you rather than displacing it out of you. So Um, do you know the evolution of that or know that it just, yeah, I think it's the whole process of continually working the steps of AA because in that process we, um, so like if I, if I behave in a way that doesn't feel right, Uh then I have to look at that in, in the process and, figure out kind of what was triggering that go make an amends to people. Got it. And I don't like doing that. So uh-huh. I try not to do it anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah. The hardest words, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but it's in, in our, in the teaching of AA, it's not, I can't just go say, I'm sorry. I have to say, here's how I hurt you. I, I know that I hurt you. And what can I do to make that Right. You have to identify it. Yeah. That's funny. We, um, um yeah. this, this is a totally separate thing <laughs> here. But in our household, um, whenever one of our children does something wrong, they have to go to the other child. To somebody else. To somebody else. And they say, I'm sorry. And then the other one says, for what? For what? And the they other one says, it. they say, well, I did this, da, 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 da. And they say, is there anything I can do to make this better? And the other person says, you know, give me a hug or whatever. They give a hug and they say, and the, the perpetrator is like, okay, are we okay now? And can we be friends again? And But yeah, they're on autopilot. Now they just go most of the time they're like, I'm, they say, for what? And they say, mom, what am I sorry for? I'm like, you need to figure that one out. <laughs> yeah. What a gift but, for them. But really, I mean, they're learning that now, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But it's hard to autopilot. do because yeah. it's, hard. Yeah. it's hard to face. It's very I'll put hard. it this way. We all talk about like, having that, the, the mind, the active mind, lowercase mind. And I talk about it a lot as like a, an adolescent, like having like a child inside that wants immediate gratification. And the MO is I want to feel good in this moment and I want to feel comfortable. And that is at the heart for me, at least of what throws us off course. And then whether you find alcohol or whether you find any other behavior or action to avoid those feelings. So you saying now that you can sit in it and then hopefully it's not just brooding in it because that's Mm -hmm. a strength in and of itself. If you wanted to do that, just I'm going to sit in this forever, but to actually release it so you can come back to your true state and you're like, yes, here I am. That's right. And then you remember the, 
the direction you want to go in life and what you want to create. And I think that's an important piece of the puzzle here because 24 years into this process, um, we know this didn't happen. Like you said, you took a drink after 90 days. And I'm sure there were many other times where you veered off course just because. And in life, it's not about being perfect. Mm -mm. It's about can you take ownership of when you have veered off, even just recognize it. Well, I was and just going to say that, right. How do you recognize it? Well, that's that amazing support system. Mm -hmm. They're checking in. It's but, like, but, oh, the, so it's the support system. It's the external or is it something in you that says, wait, I feel this or my reaction to this situation was this. Is it you who recognizes the discord or is it uh, the check-in, the external do you understand? Little, yes, okay. it's a little both. So when okay. I start not feeling quite right in my own skin, uh -huh. I will reach out to my sponsor. Got it. So and call, I will call her and say, hey, sometimes I can't figure it out. You like, being responsible for your own self. Right. Like I, I don't, now I don't sit in those uncomfortable feelings very long before I reach out. That's, that's, that's awesome. That that's took, the key. Uh -huh. That takes time. Like, because... In the beginning, you don't like, and it has tripped me up. So when I had about 12 years sober, I completely blew up my life sober. Got it. Because I wasn't checking in with my sponsor. I wasn't even honest with her because I thought I should feel better than I did at 12 years. And uh -huh. so even when I would meet her for coffee, she'd be like, how are you doing? I'd be like, great, which was a total lie. Right. right. But the again, the mind yeah. wants to portray. Yes. And like, I should be beyond this now. I, exactly. And so thankfully, I didn't drink then. I almost did. But she answered the phone uh, <laughs> <laughs> and said, come over here right now. And we did all the work that we needed to do. Um, but so I know I don't want to do that again. Uh -huh. I don't want to blow up my life sober again. You know, yes, I get off course, but I haven't done anything like that. That's your guiding light is not to blow up your life. Right. Uh -huh. And and it's, I don't know if it's everybody or alcoholics, but it's a natural tendency. Like I, I can get comfortable and I can be content. And that's a strange feeling. It's getting a little more normal for me. Like you're trusting it more. I'm trusting it. Right. Uh -huh. But my mind will say, well, this is kind of boring. Let's go blow something mm -hmm. up. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. No like one, that self-sabotage thing. That's it. And I, yeah. I do, I don't think right. that's exclusive to alcoholism. I honestly yeah. think that's I human nature. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, even think of you and I, uh -huh. and we're not dealing with alcoholism. We're not enlightened by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And I could think of a million moments where, I'm feeling something. Boredom is a huge one, right? It's, you're just like, the mind's like, where are we going to put our energy like right your now? Your life feels stagnant. So you need to do something to shake it up. Yeah. Like and then all of a sudden you're now outsourcing, you're, you're trying to create a feeling and there you go. As soon uh -huh. as you're trying to create a feeling, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. And right. it just, you know, are you choosing, are you screwing yourself in a way that's going to blow up your life? Are you screwing yourself in a way that's just going to never let you reach your potential, right? There's a huge spectrum of how you do this, but just being cognizant of it is, is the key. Um, it's the, a first step for sure. Mm -hmm. Everything, when, when I'm working with anyone and just say they just attract uh, abusive relationships or just unhealthy relationships. And so they're like, okay, I'm doing this work. I'm choosing me now. Am I ready to go back out there? And that's always the question. There's a fear. If I go back out there, I don't know. And it's like, hey, listen, going back out there, like, yeah, I don't want you to live in fear your whole life. Instead of being so worried about that, just make sure you do a very quick cycle, right? So you go out there with a purpose to do an action, but you want to immediately come home. You want to, that which means going through that whole cycle of release, sitting in the stillness again right. until you're comfortable in the stillness. If you do that on the regular, you're never going to go too far off. Uh -huh. And so like what you're saying right now, you get off a little bit and you call your sponsor and it just mm -hmm. brings you back home before what usually happens to people is as soon as they're going around a cycle and they start feeling uncomfortable, their mind starts scurrying. This doesn't feel right. How can I feel better right now? And instead of going through your emotions and through the insecurities and the fears and all the traps, 
you reach out, your mind has you go right back to an action uh-huh. to make yourself feel better. Right. And it's just, that's the name of the game. You want to get 24 years sober, it, it's going to require so many cycles of going out into the world, experiencing things that you used to experience that would send you to the left and choosing to go to the right, mm-hmm. which feels completely foreign. It feels like bullshit. It, it feels like it's not the right place to go. And you do it so many times until it starts feeling like the right thing to do. So that's just it. You have to go through so many cycles. And um, with alcoholics, it's never a recovered alcoholic. It's a recovering. It's a disease. It's forever. So do you feel like you have a daily practice to stay on track? And if you do, what is that? What is your daily practice? So, yes, my daily practice is I do some readings in the morning. Some meditation, first thing. Um, Guided meditation or like sitting there? Sitting there quietly by myself for like 15 minutes. I mean, not crazy hour long things. That's good. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That gives the the mind plenty of time to run through. It sure does. Right. And um, lately I've been like checking in with my heart. What does my heart want to say? That's beautiful. What does nice job? What does Adam taught me about little Kathy? What does little Kathy want to say? And I just put that out there, whatever it is, and um, and then I go about my day. Like I just put it in God's hands, you know. Like okay, I've checked in, I've done my work, and now I can trust that I'm going to be guided through this day. And when I get off track, I check back in. Like you know, that's your cycle. Yeah. There's one thing that I think you're leaving out that you do just because I know you, um, you know, I, I love what you're saying, right? You connect inward, right? Because that's right. what we do in winter. The second half of winter is reconnect, understand what the vision is, what your what direction you want to go in. But you also then have done so amazingly well at being very specific, right? So you allow God, however anyone wants to think of it, you allow God to do the heavy lifting but you're very specific. You are very directed in your life. You are purpose-driven. You are, mm-hmm. you're not just connecting to your heart and then walking through the streets. You're connecting to your heart and a, con- aligning that with, with what you're trying to do in this life at this point. And that's a big one too, where uh-huh. a lot of times people don't know what their purpose is. So they don't even know how to move forward or they're just so disconnected from their little Kathy that they don't even know what direction they should be going in. And for you to know, to come back to that stillness and you meditate and mm-hmm. reconnect with your soul and your heart and make sure that that's going to be aligned with your actions for the day, that your why, you know, why am I going to work today? How do I, what relationship do I want to be in with myself? And then say, and beyond that, I can't control anything. Like then I'm going to allow life to kind of pollinate my process and I'm going to keep going around and around and around. So I'll never end out on the branches of my life for too long before coming back to the rootedness. It's really the way you do it. It it, Mm -hmm. it really goes through everything. Mm -hmm. And you even did it in just because you, you, you told me now, but um, in your corporate world world, you realized that it was numbing and it's soul sucking. You Mm -hmm. had said, and you knew you had to get out. It's like you checked in with your heart. All right, this is not good for me. And you even got out with that. And then now Mm -hmm. you're, an independent consultant, yeah, you know, and living your best life. I think it seems yeah, like so because far. your energy yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> you I, smell terrific, and it's um, <laughs> you do, you know, it, but it's it's work, you know, it, it, to get there. Like I've really had to let go of a lot, you know. I of, can only imagine of all the thoughts I had about what my life would be like. You know, it's completely different. It's better. Like, I didn't know that my life could be this good, right? Um, right. I was a huge people pleaser. Like, and I now can stand up and just say no or, you know, what doesn't work for me, I can leave. That's a big one. But Boundaries. I get a lot of help. I do. I have a sponsor. I have Adam. I I reach out a lot for help with that. Like, I can't do that by myself. So you're still involved in AA oh, 24 yes. years? Yeah, 24 years later. Yeah, went to a meeting last night. That's amazing. And I'll go to another one tonight. Yeah. So yeah, um, a big part of it is giving back. So I am privileged to have sponsored many women over the years. And um, 
it it's like magic. I yeah. don't know how to describe it. To to see someone hopeless like I was, and then you suddenly see the light come on in their eyes, and yes, it's like nothing better than that. And, and that's just imagine. the beginning, right? I mean, yeah. when that light comes on, right? When you finally like, yes, that's just the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying right now, how you have little by little redefined what thoughts you give attention to and what actions you take, like you're saying in the corporate world. And like that comes from, again, letting finishing a cycle, right? Like letting go of all your emotions till you find the stillness. And then little by little, you find a truth inside that maybe you never knew before. And it helps align you, right? Because how many people are in careers or jobs that right. is literally sucking their soul? So it's sucking, just... Yeah. And then that's really hard to to manage because every day you're not in a good relationship. You're basically abusing yourself by the situation yes. you're putting yourself it's in. It's not good boundaries with yourself. Right. right. And so I think that's a huge piece of what you're saying, Kathy, is, and, and I know that didn't happen overnight. It's over time you realize what's good for you, what's not good for you. And little by little, you kind of start separating the pure from the impure. Right, finding Where, your happiness, like you're constantly seeking and, your happiness. And yeah, and with the corporate thing, I mean, it was terrifying. So you have to be willing, I had to be willing to walk through the fear of that, you know, because I would drive in that parking lot every day and the little voice just kept getting louder and louder. First it would be like, this, it'd be a whisper, this is killing you. <sighs> and then it would get louder. This job is killing you. This job is killing you until I... It was like ah. so many people. So many people say that. Yeah, uh-huh. and about the corporate world, they say soul sucking, yes. and it's killing me. Yeah, and so you know, it's hard to walk away from the money. I'm like, but I, I would tell my sponsor, I feel like I have golden handcuffs on. Like, mm. how can mm. I walk away from this? And everyone in my family was saying, "Are you crazy? Mm. You're going to give up this." wonderful job because on the outside it looks great um, uh-huh. <clears throat> and you're going to open a quilt shop like you're going to buy <laughs> a quilt shop you know you're crazy you are crazy and <clears throat> and so it's like yeah I might be crazy and it might not work and but I'm doing it that's like, awesome and you have reached out to people along the way I mean you mm-hmm. have a business coach and you are a business coach and you have a business coach like yes you're you're smart enough you're wise enough to realize that we don't have all the answers ourselves but align yourself with people that can help guide you through and you now have very deftly figured out the way you want to use your energy and make money right Mm -hmm. but not being not where now money is the golden handcuff but there's nothing wrong with wanting to make money. There's right. nothing wrong. That's energy that yeah. we can use. And it's just been, it's, it's really cool to, to see someone in real time, little by little, make these changes where you're not just throwing something away. You're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You're like, huh, this corporate world's not for me, but there is a lot that I like about this. It's just my relationship with it isn't the way I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And let me little by little work on how to make these little adjustments until I feel aligned with the way I'm using my energy every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Laura, you talk about like her happiness, right? I mean, just yeah. there's, there's something to be said for doing the hard work so that you can little by little align. And when you're an aligned human being, your soul, your, your spirit in Chinese medicine, they call it your Shen, Shen you know, even comes out on your face and yeah. it, you can just see it on someone. Like someone uh-huh. walks in a room, you're like, Oh, you have good Shen. It's just inner health where sometimes people walk in a room and you're like, whoa. I mean, it was immediate when oh. I saw you, when oh. you walked through the door and I didn't expect that. That's interesting. So, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to say one thing about honesty, telling the truth, because I had therapists before AA that I never told the truth to. And guess what? It didn't work. Like, and, and telling did- the truth is hard, right? So like I do reach out to people, but I also try to tell the very honest truth wait why didn't you tell the truth before it was um yeah why was that well that and just like why would you pay a therapist and not tell them the truth i mean that's (laughs) crazy Uh, (laughs) it happens all the time yeah but um you know so of course it didn't work you know and he was getting close to the 
fact that I was an alcoholic. Because at times he would say, well, how much are you drinking? And I'd be like, oh, I have one or two. You know, I lied completely. He he could Mm -hmm. see it. I mean, it was just nuts. But But so what, first you had to find your truth? You had to be honest with yourself before you could be honest with somebody else? or No, I feel like it's more take the risk, like to just tell the truth the best you can. Because I didn't know my truth first, right? That's all uncovered. Um, but just take that risk. It's It feels very scary to tell the honest Super truth. Super scary. Uh-huh. But that, that to me was the breakthrough. Like once I started telling my honest truth and even to my sponsor, like, and not being worried about what she was going to say or. Yeah. The fear of how you would be judged. Um, that's when things changed. That's huge. Um, in terms of the way that I see things with the cycle and the tree, the, the, the truths are these little apples that ended up on your tree that you've been hiding, right? Hiding, like covering with the leaves. But what happens to an apple that stays on, it's going to rot. And it's going to then kind of attract all sorts of flies and just maggots. And it, it ends up poisoning, to- becoming toxic for the tree. And it's hard to admit that we have this rotten apple. Uh-huh. And how are people going to judge us? And how do I judge myself by this? It's really hard to, to put that on display. But when you do, it's wildly liberating. And I think that's mm-hmm. what I'm hearing uh-huh. from you. <clears throat> and then you get to release it. And lo and behold, a rotten apple that decomposes becomes really vital nutrients to support the next round of growth. That's mm-hmm. how you keep evolution going. And all too often it's there, there are things I guarantee right now, and I'll take you out of this, Kathy, but for myself, I'll speak for myself. I am positive. There are apples that I haven't uncovered. Uh-huh. has to be. I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm wise enough to know that Absolutely. I, I'm not so enlightened to know every aspect of my inner self. And But isn't that why we would use a community, right? It's like the mother, like my mother, you know, like she's not afraid to tell me, hey, like whatever you got going on right now, it's not working. You know, like <laughs> only a mother can be that, that honest with you. But isn't, isn't that the most crucial first step, whether you recognize the truth or someone else helps you recognize the truth? Well, yeah. I mean, that's when you go in. I mean, it's so stereotypical, but I mean, you go to an AA meeting, it's like, hi, my name is Adam. I'm an alcoholic. Mm. Like, It's just, you have to put it out there. And then all of a sudden you don't have to have the defense systems up. It's gotta be awfully liberating. You can't come back to yourself unless you've cleared out all the debris from the branches. You know, you can't come back to the root system unless you've cleared the debris and where you've uncovered everything uncovered and then gone through that process of letting go. And it's just a very uncomfortable process. That's Mm, what's so remarkable about, about you, Kathy. It's just someone who decided enough is enough and I'm willing to see what I have to see. I'm willing to feel pain. I'm willing to feel sadness. I'm willing to feel shame, but I now have a, a roadmap to follow that I trust is going to not only just lead me through this, but actually then even help evolve me into right. my fullest self. Um, it's just, uh, it's very inspirational. Mm-hmm. Sure is. <clears throat> so um, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, it's, it's really, a, I genuinely enjoy working with you. I mean, you know that. And um, just, there's so many people out there that um, are alcoholics that are unaware of it, mm-hmm. that are, but are having trouble. They are aware of it and they're having trouble kind of, a lot of times they'll, do the work until they get to a certain point, right? And they get to something that is just bigger than their mind's willingness to let go. And we all need help. I, I was going to say, I think um, there's even a broader spectrum here is that it's the the addiction. It's not just alcoholism, but the addiction. And we all have some sort of vice, mm-hmm. you know, that, that needs to be uncovered, unraveled. Uh-huh. All, sure. all of us do. Sugar. right (laughs) give me a good piece of cheesecake (laughs) but right that but it's true food addiction those kind food there's food addiction what emotion what what emotion are you unwilling to sit in that then you are reaching out for sugar a drink something uh, validation uh you know used to talk to me like when when we got together laura and Uh 
you're like, oh, like women for you, Adam, like they're, they give you validation and you say, you're, your drug. Like your drug, like, and you're like, you're going fishing. Like when uh-huh. I would reach out to someone, it's like, you're going fishing because you feel too lonely right now. And yeah, it's, right, it's right. we reach out to things. Even it could be the most benign thing ever, right? It doesn't even have to be a bad thing. Uh-huh. But what it's really doing is preventing us from dealing with what's inside, feeling, feeling things, feeling. which means we're never going to finish a cycle. We're never going to have the chance to reconnect to our true self absolutely, and make adjustments so that we can align with our actions in life. Yeah. So thank you for thank you. shedding light on that, Kathy. Thank um, you. It was a, just a pleasure to have yeah, you today. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Okay. So now that we've kind of gone over all of that um, with Kathy and yeah. that's so much, first of all, there, there's so many aspects that to me are important to maintain that longevity, to stay in the game so long that you can be in long enough to make changes become more part of your foundation. Right. A habit, a lifestyle. But, but let's, let's look at what that looks like in real time, you know, not just the, you know, the seasons and let's put it into action here. So what you've got, we start off and we've got this nagging disconnect, uh, discontent. Yes. (laughs) I knew where you were going. (laughs) Nagging discontent. And, um, also identifying that all of us have some sort of vice. And I think that's safe to say. And those vices, like you said before, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like, I think my vice is actually exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, I if I feel uncomfortable, I get out and I exercise. Most wouldn't think that that is unhealthy, but it could be unhealthy well, if I'm spending be. my days. Well, A, if you're spending your days there. Right. B, if... there's one thing to just release, right? And that's Mm -hmm. good. So that's a releasing uh, action that you're taking. Yes, but if you're doing it excessively, I guess I'm just saying. Well, here's the thing. You shouldn't want to have to exercise to get out your your crap, Um, but it's a great one. So what what I tell people, people like, I'm like, hey, you got to do release, got to do release. I mean, if you're going to have a, sorry, I did interrupt you, but if you're going to have some sort of vice, exercise would it's a be good, a good one. one it's a great one right <laughs> why not pick one that uh, you know there's positives there for sure you know most of the time um in my car maybe like screaming or dry heaving or i'm moving my body around if you guys aren't home oh, that's just weird <laughs> yeah i mean it is weird it took me a long time to get comfortable just with just allowing with myself to to unwind what's inside right um but for some people it's just having an ear to talk to. You know, there's a lot of people that they, they call up, they, they have their people that they're going to call up right. and it's, they just unload their crap and the other person, hopefully it's not a codependency. The other person's like, Hey, I could, I could basically like hold your hair back while you're vomiting. Uh-huh. That's fine. And I'm not going to even try to solve your problems. But if you need someone to, for this to land, yeah, you could throw it in my direction. I'm not going to take it on. It's just the, the, the point is get it out of your system. It's so important to get it out. I, when people tell me, then they say, I just don't scream or, you know, I don't feel comfortable vocalizing what's inside. And they're like, can I? That's me. Yeah. That's you. It, it, I don't identify with it at all. And so they say like, well, can I just work out? And I'm like, yeah, of course. It's anything. There's no rules to this. Just make sure that you're not getting the superficial endorphin rush yes. release which does feel good. There's nothing bad with that. But the point is you want to really shake out the tree. Right. And so when I used to use working out as, as that for me and when before a pandemic and, you know, we had gym membership, uh-huh. um, I would go in there, I'd put my headphones on uh-huh. and I just, you know, raising three kids and business and everything, there wasn't even enough time to do all this stuff. So I was like, you know what? I got to kill two birds with one stone. I would sit there, I'd get like on the elliptical or something and I would have my emotional music on and I would close, Pearl jam. close my, it was definitely, it was definitely day. Pearl Jam, <laughs> definitely Pearl Jam. Um, yeah. And it was closing my eyes and I would literally be like, remember when Phoebe ran in Friends? I do. Oh God. <laughs> I, that's how I would be. And that's what I tell people. If you're going to do it, like if you're, if you, you know, using a punching bag or you're running connect with the emotion uh-huh. that you're releasing find it in your body so was yours goofy 
It wasn't because it was a lot of pent up. Phoebe, Phoebe run. <laughs> um, listen, I'm sure I got a lot of looks in the gym. Like, what is this person doing? And in my in my messed up head, I'm like, they're thinking this is great. <laughs> Here's someone just really like. You're somewhere. Meanwhile, you're somewhere on YouTube going viral. I always wondered why uh, the seas would like part for me. Like, no one wanted to be anywhere near me when I was walking through the gym, but. Um, just connect to it emotionally. So you're not just going through the physical action, but you're literally releasing the emotion with the action. Then, yeah, it doesn't matter. There's no rules for what it takes. The only real rule is get it out of your system and you come back. And even if you only have a small window where you feel at peace, uh-huh. where you feel some inner stillness, fine. It's still enough time for you to reconnect to try to even just hold space for that inner self, that inner being, that little child, whatever you want to call it, your soul, and wait for um, a voice, a wait for a purpose to come and wait for a, 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 an asking to come from within. Again, I'm going to have to refer to the ancient medicine, but yoga, same thing. It's getting it all out. It's getting the physical, the, the crazy mental mind, right? You go through yoga to do what? to sit there in meditation, to mm-hmm. allow, you know, just that spirituality come through you. Yeah. And you can't possibly allow that spirituality come through you when the mind is going absolutely crazy and the right. body is going crazy. That's right? why like when, same thing. when people talk about meditation and they're like, I am not very good at meditating. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. You have to you're, prepare yourself. Well, no, it's like, you're doing great. That's what happens. Your mind goes crazy. That's not bad meditation. Everyone thinks I'm only meditating well if I'm in that silent space. But most of the time, your mind is going in a million directions and you're just practicing coming back right. and allowing your mind to work itself out. But it it does. There is a, a rhyme to the reason. There is a reason why we do yoga before the meditation. I mean, they've right. already given right. us the recipe. It's, you don't just sit there and go into meditation. You have a step before totally. to get all that. That's what, um, so out. yoga and honestly this past, I think it's been about a year now and I've been doing it yoga five days a week, it's been right? Longer than Maybe that. longer. Um, it's definitely helped transform my life. Oh my gosh. Um, and it's what, um, I don't, I tell people, you know, to definitely do it, but to your point, when people are like, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be still and I'm trying to find my soul and I'm trying to hear that little voice inside. And just sometimes I'm just so like angry or there's just so much noise. And it's like, hey, you're not ready for winter. You have right. to do your release work first to empty the, empty the charge. Right. And it's the same thing. You need to do Meditation your practice winter. to set up for the setup yes. for that. And if you can't quite get there, don't force it. Right. Go back a stage and do some releasing of energy Absolutely. so there is more stillness when you quiet down. Right. Um, anyway, we got off track there. Yes, we did. No, no, still. Becoming, well, getting to that Makes stillness sense. point. But I think, you know, when we talk about alcoholism and just that journey, and, you know, that was a big point for me, you know, a magic seed is to just continue to come back home, you know, like to check in, to, to spot like, oh, I'm not feeling well right now. There's something off and knowing what to do because when you're unconscious or if you don't, if you go on autopilot, you're going to reach out for something that feels better and you're going to do what you're familiar with. And that's what Kathy was saying. She has a daily practice. She gets up, she meditates, you know, and you know, then she surrenders. And if she's feeling surrenders and and if she's feeling charged, she knows to reach out. Exactly. Right. So she goes through those daily steps and take it from someone who is, you know, uh, of course you want to just say in the recovering stages of alcoholism, she is literally having a daily practice, you know, and that daily cycle, I guess is what I'm trying to say is, you know, in, in order for her to be successful, that's what it takes is to go through that cycle every day. Maybe for me, you know, there's a, like, you know, just maybe a dozen magic seeds in here, but, mm-hmm. but to that point where invariably the mind always wants it. Everyone always says this to me, like, how long is this going to take? How, how, like, do I have to do this? Like I did a release like now and you tell me I got to do it again. It's like the mind always sees things linearly. Like I want to get to this magic place where I never have to feel anything bad again, where I never have to even put effort into this again. That's an expectation. It is. 
and it's it's making it about getting to a result yep. rather than realizing that this is a process and it's circular. It never ends. No, nope. and staying and present. Little by little, and it doesn't happen, it really doesn't happen right away at all. You know, it takes years before maybe the mind stops trying to frame everything we're doing as, ooh, is this going to get us there? Ooh, is this right. going to get... And it's at some point you realize, no, this is just a practice. So I get to live out my life in alignment, which gives me fulfillment. That's the end goal. Mm-hmm. That's the, the, that's it. That's the end game. And whatever happens or doesn't, yeah, have goals, go for, go for the stars, try to make money, try to save the world, do whatever you want to do, but realize it's really about being in connection the whole time. That's the point. And if you do that, you make sure you don't go too long without getting rid of those feelings of discontent. Right. And you end up coming home. Again, ancient wisdom. You know, if you, um, I'll make the reference to the Peaceful Warrior, the book, mm-hmm. The Peaceful Warrior, when he says, get out of your head, you know, stay present, right? Mm-hmm. There's Same a thing, just stay present. They say there's the, the longest journey in life you'll ever take is the 12 inches from your head to your heart. Oh, you've said that before. That's I love that. One. I don't uh-huh. know. That's come from somewhere. Um, anyway, so hopefully you guys got some magic seeds out of this. <laughs> well, I'm just really grateful that Kathy shared her experience. I am um, as well. We've been really blessed to have some great guests on that Mm -hmm. um, allow themselves to be vulnerable, to reveal their truths. And we're all going through this kind of stuff, you know, it's, and I just want people to realize, you know, it's that whole Facebook um, depression that, you know, or social media depression, like people put out these best versions of their lives and these snippets, but we're all going through these cycles and we deal with uncomfortable emotions and painful experiences And there is a roadmap to follow that isn't so sexy and it's not so flashy, but it leads you back to yourself. So keep on following us um, and we'll hopefully keep on having good magic seeds for you guys. Nothing but love.